0: Good afternoon and welcome to The Nonprofit Story. This is Dr. Consuelo Mukes. I'm excited today to bring to you some special guests that are going to be talking about a brand new program in this county. Rita Casaverde, the Executive Director of Diversity Coalition SLOW, and Victoire Prothro, the Program Director of the BIPOC Board Leadership Training Program. So Rita and Vicki, welcome to The Nonprofit Story. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, this is exciting. I know we've talked to Diversity Coalition Slow before. However, this is a new day and time. So Rita, I want to start with you. Explain to us again the mission and purpose of the Diversity Coalition Slow and what you're up to.
1: Yeah, so our mission is really to build a coalition um, that can come together and advance the efforts of diversity, equity, and inclusion through education and advocacy. And advocacy is something that we recently have added as part of our mission, So, we have been doing education for a long time really since the beginning of the coalition um and you know we have educational programs through schools and with the community and I think on that note we have been expanding um how else we can educate the community so we can advance the um the mission and really advance diversity equity and inclusion in San Luis Obispo County and with that exploration and just organic growth and interest from the community is how this BIPOC board leadership training uh, was created.
0: Yes, and that's exciting. We want to hear more about that. Let me ask you first, in this county are you seeing changes as far as diversity, equity, inclusiveness, or do you still see a big need for that here?
1: I think both. We are seeing change. Um, I think we have to give a big shout out to the city of Slow. Uh, they, in 2020, I think, answered the call that a lot of people had when it comes to diversity and when it comes to inclusion and creating spaces of belonging. And their Office of DEI of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion was created, and also funds for nonprofits that are working on diversity, equity, and inclusion. That formation. It really has given that support to small nonprofits, community-based organizations that are interested in doing the work here in the county. And I think a lot of other cities like Morave, Arroyo Grande, we really are seeing that they are uh, funding efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I think we need a lot more city governments, the county itself, and Businesses and community leaders across Low County to really do the work, but we are really seeing community leaders all over the the county. We have, for example, uh, in San Miguel, we have a library with an amazing leader mm-hmm. that is building amazing programs and really keeping the community in mind. We are seeing the same thing in Nipomo and Oceano. So. There's a lot to be hopeful for, but there's a lot of work to be done as mm-hmm. well.
0: So you're really spreading out everywhere yes. in the county and beyond.
1: Yeah, thank you for noting that because we started as Five Cities Diversity Coalition, so in the south part of the county, and we were formed after in cross-burning in Arroyo Grande where a black family was targeted. Mm-hmm. And um, just in the last four years is when the uh, coalition, Five Cities Diversity Coalition, said, you know what, our work has to be County wide And that's where we are right now. So we have taken our educational programs to high schools like Paso Robles. We are all over the coast in Moor Bay, um, in SLO. And so yeah, we're definitely expanding, but there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. So. And you're mentioning your
0: programs that you're mm-hmm. taking into schools and all is one of the main ways that you're getting this information out. What type of programs does this include? Mm
1: -hmm. So we have a school speaker program where we have different speakers that have different um, diverse stories of their own that come to schools and share them with high school students. And it's the most amazing thing to see because sometimes we go with preconceived ideas of what that talk is going to be like, what the reaction is going to be. And students are so amazing. Like high school students just have the most interesting questions that take that empathy level to a different level really. Uh, For example, we We've taken a Afghan refugee to Paso Robles High School and to Morro Bay High School. And I think in one of those schools, I think it was Morro Bay High School, one student asked, how old are you to mm-hmm. the Afghan refugee? And the Afghan refugee, uh, Abdullah, who's an amazing speaker for a school speaker program, he said, you know what? In my culture, we don't track age. Mm-hmm. birthdays. And that alone opened up a whole different way of seeing the world, mm-hmm. right? We're yes. not even on the same page when it comes to tracking our birthdays. Mm-hmm. And those are like foundational things that we take for granted. So it opened up the conversation to if we don't see age the same way, of course, we're not going to see many other things that are foundational to or believe. So Another example is we took Cambodian refugees to Paso Rowis High School and to Ario Grande High School as well. And the Cambodian refugees had shared their, their story of res- resilience, but also how much. Pride they had about their culture and what they were doing in LA about their culture mm-hmm. and how they've had like Cambodia Town created since they were since they moved to LA how there's like this annual festival and you know celebration of being Cambodians and one student during the Q and A raised their hand and said you know what every time that someone asked me where I'm from I used to say from China because. I didn't think that people would know where Cambodia was from. Hmm. But starting today, I'm gonna be proud to say I'm from Cambodia.
0: I think what you're doing is letting us know that diversity goes beyond some of the stereotypical ways we think about it. So what Mm -hmm. are you seeing as diversity? How broad are you as far as what you're presenting to the community?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, we try to match our speakers to at least for the schools, we try to match them with what they're learning in school. There are things that are covering world history and there are things that are just not. Mm-hmm. And so those are things that we're, you know, working to see if those can be topics that we can bring in more in our community program, which is we have a fostering understanding in our community series. And with that program we bring Sometimes the same speakers, sometimes different speakers, to talk about issues with the community that are open to everyone, not just um, high school students through world history or English or history classes. We just had a drag performer, Skinny Mocha, talked about their experience as a drag performer and as a um, employee at Capoli and a student at Capoli, what um, their experience has been, and being from a Latinx background too what it felt to come out as drag and what it means for them to be drag in San Luis Obispo County and what kind of support they would need from the community. Mm -hmm. And so those are topics that we identify that would be better to talk with the community as a whole. And we try to add other elements, like for example, for that specific talk, we brought in business owners who host drag shows just to share what the impact in their customer base and just their culture and values has been by you know hosting these track shows and how much they encourage other business owners to invest in that type of entertainment as well. Um, so yeah we're trying to really think outside the box on how we bring in topics and we're trying to be as diverse as we're capable of.
0: So you're looking at everything not just the, the look of the color of somebody's skin but mm-hmm. you're looking at the thought processes the economy mm-hmm. how everything is impacted in the community when you see diversity if you're just joining us, this is Dr. Consuelo Mukes with The Nonprofit Story. I have today Rita Castaverde. She is the Executive Director of Diversity Coalition SLOW and Vicki Prothro. She is the Program Director of the BIPOC Board Leadership Training Program. Yeah. And I know education is a big topic for you with the Diversity Coalition and that you're getting some new programs in there. And so that's why we have Victoire with us here and can we call you Vicky while you're here? Yes, please do. I know there's a new program that's getting started and uh, Vicki, you are going to be in control of that program, and getting it going. <laughs> and I think it's long overdue because it's with nonprofits and bringing in BIPOC leaders for nonprofit boards. So tell us what that is. First of all, tell us what are what's A BIPOC leader. So,
2: BIPOC is an acronym for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. BIPOC. And I'd like to share a little bit of the way in which this all came about. I recently moved here from the Los Angeles area and meeting Rita. We had conversations about what I did in Los Angeles. I was the Director of Communications and Operations for the African American Board Leadership Institute, Mm -hmm. which unapologetically recruited and trained black professionals for board leadership and governance, and worked with various nonprofit organizations and government agencies to support them with their diversity recruitment efforts. Rita caught the vision in my conversation, and she said, we need that here. And I said, oh, okay, thinking this was just (laughs) a conversation we were having. And then it became, Monthly, yeah. <laughs> From your point of view, <laughs> for me, it was just conversation and building a relationship with you, which I have cherished very much. And with that, uh, our meetings became pretty regular, where we started to actually develop a work plan about how to bring in a specific BIPOC board leadership training program, understanding the population demographics here in. SLO County, it would be beneficial to be more inclusive and bring in Black, Indigenous, and people of color. So that's what we decided we would name it, was the BIPOC Board Leadership Institute. And I'd also like to make a reference, there are other ethnic groups that are doing board leadership training programs. In the Los Angeles area, there is also the AAPI. The Asian Pacific Islander organization has a specific program for their constituents. There is the Hispanic Board Leadership Institute up in Silicon Valley. There's Women on Boards, which is a very international organization training and supporting women for the path of corporate board leadership. So bringing us back here where we are today, what I've been asked to do with my experience is develop and execute a BIPOC board leadership training program. Who can come to this program? Who's eligible? The eligibility is pretty broad in the confinements, if you will, of BIPOC professionals. We're looking for those individuals that are seeking some board guidance on how to get on a board, never been on a board, and those individuals that have experience on a board that want to expand their network, that want to connect with other BIPOC professionals, whether it be for their professional endeavors, or if it's possibly recruiting for some open board placements on the boards where they serve. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities for individuals to secure commission positions with the government agencies and be aware that to apply for a commission position is very much a realistic opportunity. And so we want to encourage that. Why is it important? I think the importance comes from the awareness that diverse voices Individuals coming from various cultures and traditions, they bring in nuances that would support decision making. And while the individual has their own background, shared experiences in the boardroom that are making decisions for underrepresented communities is very important. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes there is a inverse in the percentage of board representations, predominantly white, that are making decisions for underrepresented communities. And so having others on the table making these decisions is very critical, is very important, and it's necessary. And while this is target to the slow County, this is a national issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a quote that I'd like to share with you from the Anne E. Casey Foundation that reported at least 60% of all nonprofits in the nation report serving black, indigenous, and people of color, yet reports show that 84% of nonprofits Boards identify as white, mm-hmm. so this I think is the um, glaring light of the un, uh, the disproportionate roles
0: that predominantly white people have. Yes, and I think here in this county, we do not even have that amount of people have um, diversity on board of directors, at least with nonprofits, Mm -hmm. unless that's changed recently. Yeah, I would Mm -hmm. like to defer to
2: Rita. Rita, um, Diversity Coalition was part of a unity report with the Slow County uh, Sheriff's Department Mm -hmm. after a lot of egregious the hate crimes were perpetrated on their citizens and residents here in the area. And I think it was after the George Floyd death. And so if you want to speak on that, because there was great information and statistics that came out of that Mm -hmm. report.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, after 2020, Sheriff Ian Parkinson had made some statements about systemic racism not existing here in the county, or at least not having seen them. Um, And a group of community leaders came together in a conversation with him, which I think, you know, props to him for being open to sitting down and learning more from different perspectives. And Mm -hmm. there were different community leaders that came together and said, so you're a white male in a position of leadership here in Slough County, so you probably have not seen it. And I think that's the reality that a lot of people who have not felt systemic racism, it's hard for them to grasp on the depth of it. But this group of community leaders said, what if we... Come together and we bring data that would show that systemic racism does exist. And so, that actually, that unit uh, a report that shows systemic racism in San Luis Obispo County, it's really a, a turning point. Maybe I don't know if the report was thought of it this way when it was created, but it really has opened the eyes to a lot of people that we have an over representation of the white population, specifically on positions of leadership. Until uh, Mayor Eric Stewart, we hadn't had. Any mayor of color, if you look at the DAs, they all have been white and male for the history of the county. I could go on and on and on with the over-representation of white leadership and uh, the under-representation and the lack of fair representation from other communities in the county. And like Vicky mentioned, you know, when we have people at a decision-making table Designing solutions to solve a problem that they have never experienced, there will be blind spots on those solutions. And I think on the nonprofit side, there has been a huge interest from since I was hired by Diversity Coalition, the week I was hired, I started getting calls from nonprofits that are interested in diversifying their boards because they realized that they were having those blind spots. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that recognition is also progress. And as I was meeting Vicky and the way that she was telling the story of how we started thinking about this program. I was literally getting calls from nonprofits saying, hey, can you connect me with someone? And so, you know, put two and two together. (laughs) That's fantastic. And the program was born. Mm -hmm. And the really exciting part is that we're not creating any BIPOC leaders, right? Because those are already out there. It's really letting them know that they can join a board and they have everything to join the board. We're just going to add a few things here and there around nonprofit governance and finance and fundraising and leadership and nonprofits. But really, a lot of the The people that we're seeing that are coming into the training already have so many of those leadership qualities that nonprofits are craving. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to be providing that certificate telling them you can do this, like we we see you, you can do it. And also we have a component of matching. So we're going to have a mixer in December with nonprofits and the trainees so they can get to know each other and see what the best fit is. And so they can start joining those boards or going for those government. And commissions.
2: I'm glad that Rita brought that up. That's the continuation, if you will, of this program. It doesn't just stop there with the training of the BIPOC professionals. We're building a pipeline of individuals that are board-ready, and we are excited to provide an opportunity for the nonprofits to meet these individuals that went through the program to facilitate a board-matching and placement uh, networking services, if you will, to also encourage those nonprofits to be aware of their responsibility. And they need to embark upon their due diligence to learn about bringing in a person of color. What does that mean? And what space are you providing for them? And what space are you allowing them to be a part of that decision making as opposed to unfortunately just checking off a box, Mm -hmm. their window dressing, this is more than that. And then in that, understanding the responsibility of retaining that individual. Um, So we're working towards building a subsequent program, if you will, which is board training for the nonprofits to come into a space Mm -hmm. where they would receive facilitation in DEI and recruitment efforts and retention, and Mm -hmm. I think that's critical and that's very responsible of us as individuals, as us as diversity coalition representatives, Mm -hmm. agents of that organization, and so I'm really thrilled about this, and I was just hired in May of this year, Mm -hmm. and we're launching the inaugural class in November of Mm -hmm. this year. So moving fast. Yes, (laughs) yes. And And
1: we we are not mm -hmm. doing it alone, though. Mm -hmm. We do have very important partners in the community, spokes, for example, Bowl, ha, is helping us with that component of board training and we have so many other partners in the county who have said hey we need this, come with us also trying to work with other leadership programs that are, that are more lengthy in duration but that are very interested in that cross pollination of previously identified leaders in the community who might identify themselves as BIPOC and also from our alumni that we will start having where uh, we will have our own BIPOC board leadership trainees that might be interested in those longer format trainings too.
0: So it means that you'll be able to address a lot of things, like being sure there's not just tokenism of people mm-hmm. on the board, and allowing yes. people to move towards higher positions, yes. like maybe board chair. Yes, you know? yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. maybe eventually getting into paid positions where yes. you get good money in a nonprofit. So I'm a glad lot you of bring changes. That up. Uh-huh. That's
2: exactly what this is. This is a pathway to corporate uh-huh. board leadership, and oftentimes individuals are being vetted unknowingly. Um, by potential uh, boards and organizations looking to diversify their board. They're looking for specific skill sets. They're looking for specific education and experience. And having this opportunity... On their resume and their conversation, demonstrates they have an understanding about basic board governance, mm-hmm. and so with the other elements of understanding what that what that means, we're offering the the basics of board leadership, and that is Rita said you know board governance, nonprofit finance, uh, networking, fundraising, strategic leadership. Uh, understanding implicit bias, even us as BIPOC individuals, we have ours and how we navigate through those systems and through those situations is very important. And it's a skill set. It's also understanding that when you're entering into a board, that there is an established organizational culture. And how do you fit in? Well, you fit in understanding that you're ready, Mm -hmm. one, and that two, this organization's program focus is something that you align with, ideally, this is why you're on that board, but also, too, to understand your responsibility As a community resident. Tell everyone they're interested in this program how to find out more about it and maybe to apply. Yes please go to diversity slow org the website and uh, click on programs and you'll find us there we have a great page and we're accepting enrollment for the inaugural class we're scheduled to have two classes per year the fall and the springtime we're tracking pretty well in filling this fall class so I urge your audience to to share or if the listener themselves identify as a BIPOC individual to go online and apply uh, and we'd love to have them. I'm really hopeful that this is uh, the beginning of a fruitful endeavor for yeah. all of us, for yeah. all of us.
0: This is exciting. I can't wait to have you back on once the program gets started, so we can hear more about oh. it. And I've been speaking with Rita casaverde She's the executive director of Diversity Coalition Slow and Victoire Protro, the program director of the BIPOC Board Leadership Training Program of that same organization. This is Dr. Consuelo Mukes, and this is the Nonprofit Story.